Amen. Um, y'all, that video gets me fired up. I don't know about you. Uh, well, how's everyone doing this morning? Great. Uh, well, my name is Brett. I am our student director in transition. Y'all, I'm so happy to be here. Um, as some of you may know, our current uh, director, Alan, uh, is planning to go. Him and his wife, Malin, are going to uproot their lives in Charlotte here in about a year. They are going to take the gospel back to Alan's hometown of Nairobi, Kenya, and they're going to plant a church. Is that awesome or what? Yeah. Yeah, it's incredible. Um, Y'all, that being said, I'm so excited to be stepping into this new position. Um, If you have a student that is from sixth grade to 12th grade who's not plugged into Mercy Students, please come introduce yourself after the service. I would love to meet you, would love to meet your student and get them plugged in. If you have a student who's plugged in and we've never met before, I would love to meet you. So come introduce yourself. Um, Y'all, I'm really excited to be preaching to you today. I was just, as we were singing, I'm just thinking like, how crazy is it that God has been so good to us? And I'm thinking for myself, like that I get to preach today. It's crazy. I don't deserve this. Um, And so I'm really excited. I believe that the Lord has a word for you. And I would just love to go to him before we start. Lord... You are so good. You're holy. God, we thank you that we get to gather in the church and openly worship you. God, how privileged are we that we get to do this? Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I pray that as I speak, that it would not be my words that are heard, but yours. Lord, if my words alone are heard, they will fall flat every time. And so, Lord, speak through me. Jesus, be glorified pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. All right, so the passage of scripture that we're going to be looking at today is Acts 18, 1 through 11. So if you have your Bibles, flip there. And what we're going to see is this glimpse of the Apostle Paul's second missionary journey, where he decides to stay in a city for a year and a half and do the work of ministry. So up to this point in Paul's journey, he's been all over the place. He's been to Jerusalem. He's been to Cyprus. He's been to Antioch and Pisidia. He's been to Iconium. He's been to Lystra. He's been to Athens. He's been to Derby. He's been to Los Angeles. He's been to New York. He's been to Disney World. He has been everywhere. You name it, he's been there. And throughout this series, our main emphasis has been this idea of planning to go, willing to stay. Well, from Acts 13 through 17, we see Paul just going, going, going. He wasn't just planning to go. He was going. His aim was to preach the gospel where Christ was not known. But then we come to Acts 18, and we see Paul come to a place where he hears from God that he needs to stay put. And for some of you in here, this is where you are right now. You've been journeying along with our church uh, through this series, and you've been praying, Lord, I am planning to go, um, but right now I just feel like Charlotte is where you have me. And if that's you, then you're in the right sermon, so dial in. And there may be some of you who are already fully sold out to this idea of uprooting your life, like Alan and Malin, and you are like planning to uproot your life and take it somewhere for the sake of the gospel. And if that's you, praise Jesus. That's awesome. And please talk to our mission staff. They would love to help you work through any questions that you might have as you're planning to go. But don't check out because this sermon is for you as well. The reality is that right now, each one of you is in Charlotte, North Carolina, 
Unless you're watching online, then we're happy to have you. You may be somewhere else. But regardless of where you are, God wants you to leverage this time right here, right now, for the glory of Jesus' name. And that's exactly what we're going to be talking about today. So the main point of the sermon is this. Live sent right here, right now. My aim for this time is to give you a glimpse from this passage in Acts 18 of how you can leverage your life and live sent today for the sake of the gospel. I want to show you that you don't have to delay and you don't have to deliberate. You can be used by Jesus today, and that's actually exactly what he has designed for each one of us. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take you through Acts 18, 1 through 11 in its entirety, and then I'm going to give you points from the text of what it means to live sent. Now, this definition, it's not an exhaustive definition. Uh, I'm simply going to take you through the text, and we're going to look at three specific things that it's saying to us, and Lord willing, we'll apply it to our lives today. Y'all ready? Yeah. Let's go. All right, Acts 18, 1 through 11. We're going to read it it's in its entirety. It says this. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. And he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. And he went to see them. And because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked, for they were tent makers by trade. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and tried to persuade Jews and Greeks. When Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, Paul was occupied with the word, testifying to the Jews that the Christ was Jesus. And when they opposed and reviled him, he shook out his garments and said to them, your blood be on your own heads. I am innocent. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. And he left there and went to the house of a man named Titius Justus, a worshiper of God. His house was next door to the synagogue. Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed in the Lord together with his entire household. And many of the Corinthians, hearing Paul, believed and were baptized. And the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, do not be afraid but go on speaking and do not be silent for I am with you and no one will attack you to harm you for I have many in this city who are my people. And he stayed a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. Now, before we dig in, I want to point out verses nine and 10 of this passage because it's absolutely imperative that we understand it. If we miss it, then we'll miss the why behind we should, why we should even care about living sent in the first place. In these verses, the Lord says to Paul, don't be afraid, keep speaking, and don't be silent. Remember, I am with you and know that there are many people in this city who are my people. So Paul stays in the city for a year and a half. The reason why we care about living sent right here and right now is because there are many people in our city whom God has chosen before the foundation of the earth to be his sons and daughters. And in the same way that he's chosen to save us, he's chosen to save them. And we who have been redeemed by the blood of Christ get to be the heralds of the good news of the gospel to these people. What a privilege for us. This is the why behind everything we're talking about today. Paul stayed in Corinth because the Lord told him there were many people in this city who were his people. And we, like Paul, are a people who have been sent by Jesus to go and make disciples. And so we live sent right here and right now because there are many people in our city who are God's people. Amen? Yeah. All right. Amen. All right. So a little background on this passage. Paul has just been in Athens waiting for Silas and Timothy, his ministry partners. And they were just north of where he was in Macedonia. 
And so we heard in the sermon last week uh, from Alan uh, that while Paul was there, he shared the gospel boldly. And then in typical fashion, he moved on to the next city, which is where we find ourselves now. Now, let me tell you a little bit about Corinth. Corinth was a pretty jacked up place. Um, although it was a city that thrived through political power and commerce, Corinth was marked by sexual immorality. To put things in perspective, in the middle of the city was a temple of Aphrodite, the goddess of love, standing on a 1,900-foot hill. And surrounding this hill, there were thousands of female slave priests who would walk through the streets of Corinth, openly prostituting themselves as worship to this god. Sexual immorality was rampant, idolatry was rampant, and a gospel movement was desperately needed. And so Paul arrives on the scene, and Acts 18, 2-3 says, He found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. And because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked, for they were tent makers by trade. So my first point of our definition of living scent is this. Living scent means everything about your life is a gospel opportunity. And yes, I mean everything. So what I want to do for this point is to take some time to focus in on someone other than Paul for just a moment. So throughout our series... Uh, we've seen that if there's someone who ever met the qualifications of living scent, it's Paul. And this makes sense. After all, Paul had a conversation with the resurrected Jesus where Jesus was literally like, hey, Paul, I'm sending you. And so it makes sense why he would live this way. But in this passage, we see these two individuals, Aquila and Priscilla, who hadn't spoken with the resurrected Jesus like Paul, yet they lived their lives in faithful obedience to him. And they viewed their lives as one big opportunity for the gospel. And I think we can be really encouraged by them today. So here's what we know about Aquila and Priscilla from the text. First, verse 2 says that Aquila was a Jew who was married to a woman named Priscilla. Second, we see that they had been exiled from Rome by Claudius because of their faith. So they had come to Corinth. Now, it was likely that they were Christians, which is why they were exiled in the first place. Um, Third, we see that they were tent makers by trade. And if we do a little digging into the scriptures... What we'll see is that Aquila and Priscilla saw their marriage, their work, and their home as an opportunity for the gospel to go forth. So first we see their marriage as a, them using their marriage as a gospel opportunity. These two are mentioned throughout multiple places in the scriptures. Uh, We see in Romans, in 1 Corinthians, and in 2 Timothy, but never once do we see them mentioned apart from each other. When Paul would write about one of them, he couldn't help but write about the other one because they were a dynamic couple who rightly saw their marriage as something that would testify to the world of the beauty of Jesus. In Ephesians 5, 31 and 32, Paul talks about marriage and writes that it's a mystery, but it's a picture of Christ in the church, a covenant made before God and man in which husband and wife sacrificially lay their lives down for one another day in and day out. This is exactly what we see Aquila and Priscilla doing in their marriage. And what we see throughout the scriptures is that together they open their home for Paul to come and live with them. That's in our passage today. And then in 1 Corinthians 16, we see that they open their home for a church to come and gather. And then at the end of Acts 18, we see that together they discipled someone. They discipled Apollos, who was a highly influential teacher who ended up uh, being sent to preach the gospel to the Jews in Achaia. These two were fervently committed to using their marriage at all costs as something that would advance the gospel. We also see them use their work as a gospel opportunity. Verse three says that they were tent makers by trade. 
It's likely that Aquila and Priscilla owned their own leather-making company. And so when Paul met them, they hired him to help him make ends meet as Paul labored for the gospel in Corinth. They were a huge reason why Paul could say in 2 Corinthians 11 that he preached the gospel free of charge. They saw their work as a gospel opportunity, and the gospel went forth in Corinth because of them. And third, we see them use their home as a gospel opportunity. Verse 3 says that Paul stayed with them. He lived in their home. Not only did Paul work for them, but they opened their doors for him to ensure that this brother in Christ had a place to sleep. On top of that, in 1 Corinthians, as I mentioned before, they had a house church come into their home. So letting brothers and sisters in Christ into their living space was a, was a normal practice for them. I just think that's really cool. And you can see Paul's gratitude towards these two in Romans 16, uh, verses 3 and 4, when he writes this. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles give thanks as well. Paul was thankful to these two. Aquila and Priscilla viewed their marriage, their work, and their home as gospel opportunities, and God used them mightily because of it. Y'all, these are just three examples from two ordinary people who loved Jesus and who wanted to be used by him. Think of all the opportunities that we have today to leverage our own lives for the sake of the gospel here in Charlotte. Your marriage, your singleness, your work, your home, your car, your gym, your school, the restaurants near where you live, your money, your talents, your time, it's all an opportunity for the gospel to go forth. And so maybe for you, this means that you and your spouse need to begin to pray for your neighborhood and really consider what it means to engage those who live around you. Maybe this means you, need, you should start going to a restaurant like Al Basha on North Sharon Amity Road, where you can meet Muslims who go there all the time and you can build friendships with them, people who are far off from Jesus. Maybe this means that you should share your faith with your coworker who you've been wanting to share with for a long time. Maybe this means opening your business doors so that people can gather there for a Bible study. Maybe this means you should lead a Bible study or lead a community group. We definitely have a need for that here at Mercy. Y'all, I could go on and on. And, and trust me when I say, like, I need to be changed by this as well. Preaching is one of those things where you're, like, preparing. You're like, all right, I need to do this too. Um, there are so many people in this city who are God's people. And so if we're going to live sent and reach these people then we have to see that everything about our life is a gospel opportunity. Let's move on. Acts 18, verses 4 through 7, it says this. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and tried to persuade Jews and Greeks. When Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, Paul was occupied with the word, testifying to the Jews that the Christ was Jesus. And when they opposed and reviled him, he shook out his garments and said to them, Your blood be on your own heads. I am innocent. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. And he left there and went to the house of a man named Titius Justice, a worshiper of God. His house was next door to the synagogue. My second point is this. Living sent means telling people about Jesus. Y'all, this point is about as straightforward as it can get. If we are going to live as sent people, then we must tell others about the one who has sent us. So how many of y'all in here, just quick poll, how many of y'all in here are sports fans? All right, let's go. Uh, me too. I'm a huge Panthers fan. I firmly believe that Sam Darnold is going to take us to the promised land this year. Uh, I believe it, trusting and having faith. 
Here's the thing about the Panthers. I want to shoot it straight with everybody. Panthers aren't great. <laughs> they lose a lot. It's been a hard few years for us. I loved my boy, Cam Newton. He fell off the wagon. We got Teddy. I kind of thought Teddy was going to be our guy, but didn't really think so. And turned out that he wasn't. And I've just sort of got accustomed to losing. It still hurts when we lose. Don't get me wrong, but I'm used to it. But y'all, let me tell you, when the Panthers win, when the Cardiac Cats have pulled through for the dub, I'm calling up my friends. I'm calling up Mima and Granddaddy. I'm sticking my head out the door and I'm yelling. I'm telling everyone that they just won. I can't help it. And when we think about sharing Jesus, hard turn, when we think about sharing Jesus with people, this is kind of what it's like. Let me explain. You see, we share Jesus with people because of what Ephesians 2 says. And by the way, this passage that I'm about to share with you guys, like this is the gospel. So listen to this. This is what Ephesians 2, 1 through 3 says. Verse 1, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. You and I were dead in our trespasses and sins. We rejected the God who created us, who graciously gave us breath in our lungs, and who loves us with an unconditional love. And instead of following God, we chose to follow someone who actually hates God and hates us. And we were dead because of it. We were separated from God, and we were headed to hell. God's wrath was rightfully upon us. But that's not the end of the story. Paul goes on. Look at Ephesians uh, 2, 4 through 7. Verse 4, but God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Y'all, what? This is incredible news. We have been redeemed and brought back to life in Christ. We did nothing to deserve it or earn it. It was a gift from God. Christ freely gave himself up for us so that we could be brought back from death and reconciled to God through faith in Christ. The gospel is good news. This is the gospel that we share with people and there is no better news to tell anyone. And so, Back to my Panthers illustration. The reason I watch the Panthers is because I love them. And as believers, we keep telling others about Jesus because he loved us. And so as a response, we love him and, and are in awe of what he's done for us on the cross. He has saved us and it's the highlight of our life. And so we tell others about him. It was the highlight of Paul's life. I'm not done with my Panthers illustration yet, by the way. Verse four says that every Sabbath, his day off from his job of making tents, he would go to the synagogue and try to persuade Jews and Greeks. His day off, he would share the gospel with people. It's pretty convicting for me about how I spend my days off, by the way. 
Um, And then we see in verse 5 of what he was persuading them about. Verse 5, Acts 18, when Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, Paul was occupied with the word, testifying to the Jews that the Christ was Jesus. Paul was telling them, y'all, this redeemer who you've been waiting for, the one who the whole Old Testament points to, it's Jesus. Jesus is the suffering servant in the book of Isaiah. Jesus is the son of man in Daniel 7 who's going to come on the clouds one day. Jesus is the one in Zechariah chapter 14 who the people will mourn over because they pierced him. Paul was telling people about Jesus. He had been redeemed by the blood of Christ and he had seen that Jesus is the Messiah and he had to tell people. And as he told them, what happened? Everyone rejoiced and they came to Christ and they celebrated with Paul that he had shared. Is that what happened? No. That's not what the text says. It says that he was opposed and reviled for it. You see, the reality is that the gospel is offensive. It's offensive because what it means is that everyone has a problem, and that problem is called sin. And we need a savior because that sin has separated us from God, and we can't do anything on our own to bring ourselves back, as bad as we want to. And in our world, it's offensive to tell anyone that they need anything. And so as Paul told the Jews about Jesus, he was rejected. And like Paul, as you tell people the gospel, you may be rejected. You may be even thought of as a fool for telling people that you believe Jesus is the savior of the world. Some of you in here know exactly what I'm talking about, and this has been something that you've experienced. Maybe that's been a really hard thing for you. And if that's you, I just want to remind you today that the Lord sees you. He sees you and he loves you and is pleased with you. And he's promised that there's not an ounce of suffering that you will ever go through that he won't use for good. So don't lose heart. Be reminded of Christ. Be reminded of Jesus. And here's, here's where the conclusion of my, my Panthers illustration comes in. Like the Carolina Panthers, even when they lose over and over again, I'm still going back week after week after week after week watching them. It hurts when they lose. It's painful. It makes, me want to, it makes me want to pull my hair out sometimes. But I'm going back. Why? Because like I said, I love them. But also because I have an expectant heart that every time those boys step on the field, they have a chance to win. And when they win... You better believe that I forget about all those losses. And y'all, when we see a brother or a sister hear the gospel, submit their lives to Jesus, and be delivered from the domain of darkness and transferred into the kingdom of light, it makes all of the rejection that we might experience worth it. When we are rejected for our faith in Christ, we don't lose hope. We keep pounding. We keep telling people about Jesus because we love him and we believe that when his word goes out, it doesn't return void. We believe that God can change a life today and there is no greater celebration than when we see someone say, yes, I want to follow Jesus. Luke 15.10 tells us that even the angels rejoice over one sinner who repents. And so when we're rejected, we keep telling people about Jesus. We keep pounding. That's got to stick. And this is exactly what we see Paul do. Verses six and seven in our Acts chapter say this. 
When he was opposed, and when they opposed and reviled him, he shook out his garments and said to them, your blood be on your own heads. I am innocent. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. And he left there and went to the house of a man named Titius Justice, a worshiper of God. His house was next door to the synagogue. Look at what Paul does here. He gets rejected, and so he just goes next door and starts sharing again. He knew that there were many people in the city who were God's people. So even though he was rejected, he kept sharing. And like Paul, there are many people in our city. And so if we're going to live sent right here and right now, then we have to tell people about Jesus. And my final point is this. Living sent means helping people take their next steps. Look at what verse 8 of our text says. Verse 8, Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed in the Lord together with his entire household. And many of the Corinthians, hearing Paul, believed and were baptized. Just like I said, as we share the gospel, God is faithful to save. Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue that Paul had just been pushed out of, heard the message of the gospel, his eyes were opened, and he believed. On top of that, the text says that many other Corinthians believed. I don't know the number, but the word many makes it seem like it was a lot. God was moving through Paul, people telling, was moving through Paul telling people about Jesus. But God was also using Paul in another way as well. You see, Paul wasn't just sharing the gospel with him and then leaving them. No, he was, he was discipling them. What we see from the text is that he showed these new believers a step that they needed to take by being baptized. And this is what we believe at Mercy, that as you believe in Jesus and surrender your life to him, your next step should be getting baptized, which signifies that you have been buried with Christ into his death and then raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. That's Colossians 2.12. Maybe this needs to be the next step that you take. And we do baptisms every single month at the end of the month, and we would love to help you walk through this process. But you have to see that Paul was helping people take their next steps. And this is what we're called to do as believers. We're not called to make converts. We're called to make disciples. Jesus says in his great commission, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. If we're going to live sent right here, right now, if we're going to find these people in our city whom God has chosen, then we must help people take their next steps with Jesus. And y'all, I know this can sound like a tall task. And to be honest, like it, it really is. This, is. this is a hard thing. And helping people take their next steps with Jesus takes intentional thoughts, prayers, care, effort, and time. Paul stayed a year and six months with these people in Corinth. And so we can see from that alone that helping people take their next steps is a long haul effort. And so as a church, we want to help you in any way that we can with understanding how to do this and supporting you as you do it. And we want to do that today. So what we're going to do is right after this service, one of our new staff members, Sarah Wampler, is going to be leading a training on how to, be, on, on how to lead someone through a discovery Bible group. You saw the video for it right before this sermon started. We're going to be training on it today. So I want to call every single person in this room to give 30 minutes of your Sunday to stay and to learn about how to lead one of your friends or family members through a really simple and effective way of reading the Bible. 
This is an immediate step of obedience for you, of living sent right here and right now. So text your friends, tell them you're gonna be a little late to Chili's. Don't worry, the chips and salsa, they ain't going anywhere. Stick around after the service and we'll help you with that. I really believe it'll be worth it for you. Um, here's how I wanna close. Let's look back at Acts 18, uh, verses nine through 10. It says this, and the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, do not be afraid, but go on speaking and do not be silent for I am with you and no one will attack you to harm you for I have many in this city who are my people. Y'all, as you consider what I've spoken about today, let these words sink deep into your soul. The God of the universe says to Paul, and he says to all of us, that he's with us. and We don't have to be afraid. Don't be afraid of putting yourself out there for the sake of the gospel and making Jesus known. Don't be afraid of being rejected. Don't be afraid of opening your home and using it for the gospel. Don't be afraid to make bold decisions for Jesus this week. Don't be afraid as you walk as lights in this dark world. Don't be afraid of the trials and tribulations that are sure to come. Don't be afraid. You're not alone as you do this. God himself goes with you as you do it. He's promised his presence with us. Earlier in the sermon, I mentioned the Great Commission. And I intentionally left out the end where Jesus says these words. And this is what I want to close with. Behold, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. The Lord is with us. He's our strength. He's our shield. He's a refuge. He's an ever-present help in our time of need. And he never leaves us. And so, brothers and sisters, we can trust that as we go and as we seek out these people who God has in our city, that we're not going alone. He's with us. He's with us. I want to uh, invite the band to come on up. And uh, I want to invite all of y'all to just bow your heads. I'm going to lead us through a time of reflection and response to what we just heard today. As you consider um, what I talked about, um, I just want you to spend some time with the Lord and ask him what he might be teaching you right now. We heard that um, God has many people in this city who are his people. And I just want to ask, is this something that you believe? Do you believe that, that God has many people in our city who he wants to save through you sharing Jesus with them? And if that's true, then what is he calling you to do to live sent right here and right now? Maybe that's continuing in something. Maybe you do need to share the gospel with somebody who is one of your friends. Maybe it's time for you to open up your home and to host your neighbors and have them over for a meal. What is God calling you to do? Just give that to him right now. I want you to commit to that this week, whatever it is. And maybe for you, you feel conviction on your soul that maybe you're not following Jesus right now. And as we talked about from Ephesians, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. And the only way we can be brought back to God is through faith in Christ. And so you feel this weight of, I, I think I need to give my life to Jesus. John 3.16 for God so loved the world that he gave his only son 
whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Friends, I just want to invite you to believe upon Jesus today. I'm not going to have you raise your hand. I'm not going to have you stand up. But if that is you, please share it with the person you came with. Or come and share it with a staff member if you didn't come with anybody. Please share that with them. Lord, we love you. Thank you for choosing us. Lord, there was a time in our life where we were those people who were in the city, who were God's people, who had not yet uh, come to know you as Lord. But you sent after us. You came after us. And you purchased us with your blood, Jesus. Lord, I praise you for salvation. I praise you for the cross. I thank you that you have called us your ambassadors who are lights in this world. I pray, Lord, that today we would be a people who live sent here in this city that you've placed us in. I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.